it looks like they walked out of Bridgerton and then stumbled <laughs> through a forest of lace and then walked on set. <laughs> it's terrible. Welcome to Electric Enthusiasm, the podcast where we celebrate unironic enthusiasm. Like me, today's topic has absolutely no chill. I'm Katie Cobalt. Chill is vastly overrated. <laughs> Who wants to be chill? <laughs> and I'm Alexander Kyoth. And if I had to describe my uh, attitude towards today's topic in one movie title, it would be the movie title Clueless. Hey! <laughs> so, Alex, despite being clueless about today's topic, do you know how this works? <laughs> oh, yeah, that I know. That I'm totally clued in about. Here's how it works. In each episode of this podcast, one of us will present a topic that they love, but that the other one knows little to nothing about. And then they will try their damn best to spread that enthusiasm to the other host and to you, the listener. Sometimes we have amazing guests on who are super excited about something that we know nearly nothing about. We also have the moment of meta, where we nerd out about enthusiasm itself and talk about why it matters and how you can live a more enthusiastic life. Because the world needs more enthusiasm. And that's why you should share yours with us on our website, electricenthusiasm.com or our Instagram, at electricenthusiasm. Tell us what you're excited about these days. You could even plain old send us an email at hello at electricenthusiasm.com. Hey. <laughs> okay. Hey. So... Today's topic is RRR. Have you even heard of it before? I have no idea what it is. I am prepared, with your permission, to make three obviously wrong guesses. I want to hear some obviously wrong guesses. Okay, I thought maybe RRR is internet slang, mm -hmm. like BRB or LOL, and it's like RRR is like really, really rough. Katie, how are you feeling today? I am RRR, <laughs> really, really rough. Okay. Is, is that correct? Uh, it's, it's potentially <laughs> correct. What are your other two guesses? My second guess is that it's an association for retired UK industrial workers. Uh, specifically, it's the association of uh, Rolls-Royce retirees. Oh. People who used to work for an uh, automotive company, Rolls-Royce, and now no longer do. You're getting closer. You're definitely getting closer. And the final, the final guess? <laughs> okay. Final guess is that it's from Stranger Things Season 2. When Dustin gets his teeth fixed and he makes that sound... Um, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's the one. That's the one. 100%. <laughs> I find it absolutely hilarious that you think I would be enthusiastic about Rolls Royce retirees. <laughs> like the aggressive anti-capitalist that I am. And you're like, yeah, she's down with Rolls Royce retirees. That's what that's what she's enthusiastic about today. True, true. Yeah. Also, an entire episode on Dustin Henderson going. Yeah, I don't know. Really. All of my guesses were completely wrong. Uh, what exactly is RRR? We like to start with the facts first around here, Katie. Give us the facts. Okay, hang on. Before I say anything else, actually, I'm going to try my best to pronounce everything correctly today. But huh? half the things I need to say are in Telugu, and I do not speak Telugu. <laughs> so this is going to be exciting. <laughs> I'm excited already. RRR is a Tollywood Indian action epic. Epic being the perfect word to describe this film. RRR stands for Rise, Roar, and Revolt. Um, <laughs> it is. I love it already. There's no chill in this film. It is the fictional retelling of two real life Indian revolutionaries, Aluri Sitma Raman Raju, Aluri Sitma. Aluri Sitama Ra I, I practiced this yesterday so much. 
Aluri Sitamarama Raju and Koramara Kor Ko Komaram Beam. I'm so sorry to anyone listening who is from <laughs> India. I apologize deeply. Um, and it's about their fight against the British Raj. It's set in 1920s yes. Delhi, and it tells the story of these two men as they face off against a cartoonishly evil British colonial suppression. I love it already. Can I just back up a little bit? So you said Tollywood. Yes. I, I know about Hollywood and Bollywood and Nollywood. I got to add more to that list. Yes. <laughs> yes. What the hell is Tollywood? So Bollywood is specifically films that are in Hindi. If an Indian-made ah. film is in Telugu, it is Tollywood. Ah, okay. They don't yeah. know that. That's amazing. We'll get onto this later. But if you want to watch this film, it is on Netflix, but unfortunately they only have the Hindi dub. They don't have the original language on Netflix, which is very frustrating. But it means that you can watch the film, which is always excellent. Okay. Okay, I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> RRR <laughs> is also one of the most successful international Tollywood films. It broke the record for the highest opening day earned by an Indian film. The film grossed about 160 million US dollars worldwide, setting several box office records for an Indian film, and it's the second highest grossing film in India. Rotten Tomatoes has ranked it at 91% fresh. Uh, of 56 mm -hmm. critics' reviews are positive, and the average rating is around about 8.1 out of 10. This film wow. is like the biggest thing you've never heard of i promise you it's just big in a different part of the world <laughs> okay i just looked it up on netflix here in denmark it's there i can watch it tonight and by the way the tags for it you know uh, the netflix movies have like tags is explosive slick and visually striking is that something you can get behind those are exactly accurate 100 percent. <laughs> good job netflix <laughs> Awesome! Well, I know what I'm doing tonight. I have a little quote for you from a review by Mr. Roger Ebert. I'm going to make you also do the funny names. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Roger Mooley's characteristic focus on maximalist action choreography, overwhelming stunt work and pyrotechnics, and sophisticated computer graphics. Oh, yeah. Those are exactly the words I would use to describe this. So, maximalist... Pyrotech. Overwhelming uh -huh. is a very good word for as well. <laughs> I love it already. Another thing that I heard on Reddit about this film, it's as if Zack Snyder directed a historical epic cinema drama from Golden Age Hollywood. <laughs> That's the level of huge we're talking about here. Wow. Are there Zack Snyder like slow-mo sequences? Yes, a lot. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, I love those. I love those. Okay. So I'm going to talk about three aspects of the film that just make me so happy and that make me want to watch this film again and again and again and again. So awesome. firstly is the action set pieces. You know me. I'm a Hong Kong girl. I was raised on good fucking kung fu movies. So <laughs> I love me a good action sequence. And I promise you the action pieces in this film have me jumping up off of my seat cheering they combined like a Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung level of creativity and plainness in the choreography with Marvel level CGI. Good Marvel <laughs> level CGI. <laughs> wow. 
So it involves things like a prison break with one man sitting on another man's shoulders and taking out an entire prison. A man screaming (laughs) into a tiger's face as he defeats it in battle. And so many insane amounts of interesting choreography and the way that they play with space and props gives me like that Jackie Chan Samo Hung vibes. And it's incredible. So you're saying it's based on real events, but it's not entirely historically no. accurate then. It's 100% <laughs> fictional. It's like Inglorious Bastards, right? It's a fictionalized narrative around two actual people. So the real life revolutionaries were real. They were genuine mm-hmm. historical figures within Indian culture, but they never met. They were not friends. Okay. And so this movie is a reimagining as if what happens if they were to meet? What happens if they were to join forces? I would like to show you a little clip. You're going to watch the clip and then you're going to describe what you witnessed. Hey! Hey! So what happened in this clip was uh, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 These two guys are on a bridge. There's a boy below them who needs to be saved below the bridge on a sandbank. And I guess the only only reasonable way to do this is for one guy to be on a motorcycle, the other guy on a horse, holding each end of a rope, going towards each other driving slash jumping off the bridge, swinging under the bridge through a fire with a flag so that one guy can scoop up the kid and the other guy can then uh, pass him the flag, uh, which he also, by the way, dipped in the water so it's now wet. So the other guy can wrap himself in the wet flag so when he swings back through the fire, he's unharmed. (laughs) Was that a a fair summation? (laughs) And, And, like, I feel like if anyone hasn't seen that clip or hasn't seen that film, you sound like a crazy person right now. And yet, it totally works. It to- it totally absolutely works, and it's so over the top that you got you just gotta yeah you just gotta go with it. Um, they sell it. It's not like they do it like eighty percent or ninety percent. They do this two hundred percent, and I love it exactly. The music is an epic crescendo. Like there's nothing about anything like the visuals and music, the the, the choreo of, of the action. Everything is too much, in the yes. best way possible. Yes, yes, yes. Which reminds us, of course, of another recent movie we covered here on the podcast, uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which is entirely too much and high energy and over the top, which is why it works. Um, I feel like with something like this, if you go over the top, you have to go all the way over the top. And that scene they fucking did. Is the whole movie like that? 100%. This is not, this wow. is not me picking out something that the whole movie is at this level. <laughs> I am so excited to watch this now. Everything about it is at this level. Every aspect of it, from the way in which the audio is done, the music, the even the characterization of the characters themselves. Like, the bad guy isn't just a bad guy. He's cartoonishly evil. And his wife is malicious and awful. There is no redeeming qualities there. There's no shades of gray in the characters here. It's a good guy and a bad guy. And the bad guy is bad. Um... <laughs> And it's, it's truly, it's, it's, everything is too much. There is no chill in this film and it is delightful because of that. Wow. I want to show you one more, just watch the shot with the fireworks 
And you cannot tell me the uh, CGI team didn't have the best fucking time. Like, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> Just with the way the fireworks are curling and framing the face of the protagonist. Uh, is he, in fact, a firebender? Well, here's the thing. If we're going to get onto that, thank you very much. Uh, let's quickly pop into talking about some of the visual themes of the film. Um, mm -hmm. Because the visuals in this film are, as you've seen, absolutely over-the-top, maximalist epic. And these two characters um, have fire and water imagery, right? Our two protagonists are contrasted with the elemental forces that represent them. Beam is water and Raju is fire. And this imagery is thematic throughout the entire film and cleverly intertwined into each action sequence. We had that on the bridge, right? Exactly! One of the guys dipped the flag in the water, the other guy swung into the fire. Yes! Uh, wow! And it's, it's, it's woven beautifully throughout the film. The setup for this, it's chef's kiss. It is truly impeccable. When we meet the characters for the first time, we see one literally through flames. Like, the flames appear, and then all of a sudden they fade away, and you see his beautiful face. And the other one, when you see Beam for the first time, we see him upside down, but it's just his reflection in the water. And it becomes <laughs> their weapon of choice. It is the background upon which the action is set. It's everywhere, and it acts as, like, this visual guide for us, because we have these two contrasting elements, very powerful elements. And they are used to take down the British colonial rule in India. It's fucking cool. It's so fucking cool. Beautiful. Why is it that some piece of media managed to do that where everything is just coherent? Yes. Um, where everything just fits together and comes into a, a whole. Yeah. And, and then other movies are just a mess. Nothing is consistent. Nothing matches up. Uh, yeah, why is it that some productions just managed to do that? I feel like the, the direction team behind this film had such a strong concept because it is woven into pretty much every aspect of the film and also picking fire and water it's blue and orange right those are beautiful sure. contrasting colors as well so visually it really carries the film it's super fun because every time it happens you're like fire water fire water <laughs> it's again ah <laughs> oh, that's amazing that is well thought out, and I love it. Is there is there an earth and an air character? Sadly uh, not. Well this film is just fire and water. Not quite God Avatar yet. But I will say, speaking of Avatar, there's a lot of anime styling in this. You mm -hmm. do have, like, completely unrealistic, but fans must appear behind the camera because all of their hair is perfectly blowing out of their face <laughs> as the protagonists land a truly devastating punch. Or after they take someone out and they've just landed on the ground, their hair blows back perfectly and the leaves <laughs> blow away. There's a lot of those moments where it's very clearly pulling from anime and a, like super intense action filmmaking where there's a lot of beautiful moments in slow motion that are just delicious. Wow, that's awesome. Another visual aspect to this film that I super fucking love is the fact that they used a lot of practical effects. So a lot mm -hmm. of the explosions and fire sequences are practical effects, and you can tell. So in the bridge sequence that we just watched, the train is real. The train that blows up is an actual miniature that they blew up. 
And it's so rare to have miniatures used in Hollywood nowadays because they just put everything into CGI. So what I really appreciate about Rajamuli, who's the director, his approach is that he opted for a lot of practical effects that were then supplemented with CGI. Ah, so yeah. you still have that feeling of the power of the fire and the explosions because they are fucking real fire and explosions. And then yes. on top of that, with the smaller details, that's when the CGI comes in. And that's, I just really appreciate that. It, I, so do I. And it usually works so much better than pure CGI, yes. which can become incredibly fake looking very quickly. Yeah, or- right. Oh, one thing that they do in the film, which is insane, none of the animals are real. Because India has really strict policies about um, animal cruelty and using animals in film. So all of the animals are CGI. Are you telling me the horse you rode on in that quick clip I just saw was not real? Yes. I could not tell. No, you can't. It's incredible. uh, Wow. Okay, that's amazing. Another uh, visual aspect of this film that I absolutely adore is Raju's fashion. So he's the fire guy. His fashion throughout the film (laughs) is so beautiful. He is the moment, a true icon. I want his wardrobe. He always wears these gorgeous vintage-esque outfits with suspenders and high-waisted trousers. He's beautiful. So as you're watching, please take a note of the fashion that he is wearing because it is gorgeous. I I will definitely check that out. On the other side of the spectrum in terms of fashion, I will say the period costumes on the women in this movie are absolutely atrocious. They are not appropriate. It's said in the 20s, no one is wearing a 20s silhouette. Everyone is wearing random frilly lace shit. It looks like they walked out of Bridgerton and then stumbled through a forest of lace and then walked on set. It's terrible. So... Raju's fashion, incredible. Icon is yeah. the moment. Yeah. Any woman in this film, please go away and never return. <laughs> Duly noted. The final thing that I want to bring up that I think is absolutely wonderful about this film is the bromance. So it is super duper rare in film media for us to see male-male friendship that is truly wholesome and beautiful and built on a foundation of genuine respect for one another. And this is one thing that the film does so well. The relationship between the two of them, the moment that we saw in the bridge fight, that's the moment that they meet. So they both have this shared desire to look after and protect the people around them. That's what brings them together initially. That's the first time they met. And they figured out how to save a child by jumping off a bridge together. And they've never spoken. It's incredible. You see their friendship develop and change over time. And they have obviously like, you know, the miscommunication devastating moment where they have to not be friends anymore. And then it's all very sad. Every kind of thing that a director would normally give to build a romantic relationship, all of that time, they also give it to these guys to have a friendship. And it's beautiful. There's a couple of romantic subplots, and they're not very interesting to me at all. But the fact that they spent this time to build a friendship in which they're helping each other. They're both desperately trying to help one another succeed in the things that they know about. There's some, like, some mystery. I don't want to tell you too much. Actually, I could tell you the entire plot of this film, and it wouldn't fucking matter, because the way they tell this story is so epic. 
but there is a beautiful bromance sequence and also in the inevitable dance sequence that obviously has to happen because it's an Indian film. Um, even through that, they're using it to tell the story of the the love that they have for one another, right? It's a dance battle. One of the guys trying to impress a girl, and so his friend Raju takes the fall to make him look cool. So even within uh... the set piece of we're doing the dance number now, which generally is kind of like random dance number, they're still using that to drive the narrative forward that these two are working together and building each other up in this really delightful and adorable, wholesome way, and it's so very cute. Oh man, I love that. Not a lot of movies have that, right? No. Where where two guys can be friends. Lord of the Rings would be another yes. example of just wholesome male friendships. But otherwise, it's just shockingly rare. Yeah. Uh, so it's just great to see. I also like that they devoted a lot of time in the film to building the friendship. Again, like yeah. Lord of the Rings. Because normally, if they are established as friends, like the characters are already friends, and then you never get to see them becoming friends. Normally, that's reserved for the romantic relationship where you, you observe them becoming girlfriend, boyfriend, or whatever. Um, Good point. And so it's really nice that this film kind of gave space to that and gave time to show us them becoming friends, which is just in a really adorable montage, which I just adore. <laughs> which is also obviously over the top and completely ridiculous because it has to be. <laughs> of course. Uh, I have a question. So I was talking uh, on my vacation last week, I was talking with a guy about movies, and he mentioned another Indian movie. He was like, it was really good. You have to watch it. You should know that it is four hours long. I looked it up and it turned out he was wrong. The movie he talked about was actually five hours and 20 minutes long. So, uh, uh, Katie, here's my question. How long is RRR? It's only three hours. But it is okay, okay, three okay. hours. <laughs> I, I do appreciate three hours is a long time. But you don't feel it. It has a lot of momentum behind it. It's really, really well paced. I didn't actually know it was three hours. It was only in researching this podcast that I found out it was three hours long. Okay. Because okay. when I was watching it, I had no conception of time. It's got enough building blocks within it. It grows and the story has a quite a big arc. So it doesn't feel like three hours. And this is coming from someone who I don't like long movies, generally speaking. I'm like, make it a TV series, leave me alone. Um, mm -hmm. This was incredible. Like, I didn't feel it at all. But yeah, it was three hours long. I was hoping you weren't going to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least it's not five hours and 20 minutes, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, how, can, how, how, do they, how do they do that in India? Do they show the movie with like four intermissions and a lunch break? I don't know. I mean, how do they do? I, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I will say we watched yeah. it over dinner. And so I think that also helped because we were eating throughout the film. <laughs> Probably. Um, uh, do they kiss at any point? Not the men, but the, their romantic subplots. Because I, I heard that in, in Indian movies, they're not allowed to kiss. They can get really close. And then they can break into song or dance. I honestly can't remember. Okay. Uh, also, who cares, right? <laughs> there is also like the classic at the end credits. They do have the classic Bollywood, Tollywood, fourth wall breaking song and dance number where everybody mm -hmm. gets to dance together, which is super cool. They also obviously have a dance number in the middle, which honestly, fire. As someone who loves dance, oh my god, it was so much fun to watch. It was so good. My only sad thing is that it's set in the British Raj's like garden party. So you have your two protagonists who are Indian and then everybody else is like British. And part of me just is a bit sad because I'm like, I want to see 
a room full of Indian people bust in a move. But then I get that in the end credits, so it's fine. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Everyone in the film did a great job of the dancing. It was very okay. well done. Speaking of the bromance and the relationships within the film, I should say that with every good friendship relationship, there has to be the betrayal. There has to be the moment where someone realizes something about the other and it's a heartbreaking moment. I will say with this film, because it is too much in every regard of the word too much, this moment in the film is too much. Um, and mm -hmm. it is pretty violent and kind of gory. So I think okay. that's just like a good warning that this is a maximalist film dedicated to having no chill. Um, so in every, in every meaning of the word, so like the joyful moments are the most joyful moments. The intensely dramatic moments are the most intensely dramatic moments. And then like the bits where it's going to get a bit violent, it's going to be really gross. That's something to bear in mind. If you were a bit of a squishy marshmallow, that sequence in particular, after the betrayal, that's not a particularly fun sequence. Alrighty. I'll watch out for that. I also feel like now that I've said that, you're going to watch and be like, Katie, that wasn't a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, it just sounds amazing. What was the, the title? R R revolt, R R riot. Yeah. Rise, revolt, riot. Roar, revolt. Rise, roar, revolt. Yeah. I just, I love that. Just that. It is, it is an incredible, it's an incredible epic film. And like, I, I can't wait for you to see it because I want to talk to you about the end sequence, the final <laughs> battle. But also I don't want to tell you shit about it. I knew about the bridge sequence before I went in, but I don't want you to go in with any more information than that. And I think you should just go watch it. And then we'll follow up in our next episode because yes. I'm watching this tonight. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Uh, it sounds sounds freaking amazing. So the reasons why you love this was the there was the these visuals, the incredible action set pieces, and the bromance. The bromance. Love a bit of bromance. Yes, I completely agree. So yeah, that's why I picked this film. The other reason I picked this film is because it feels like us. Mm -hmm. Right, we are a little bit too much, a little bit over the top, a little bit maximalistic. I would yes. argue. In yes. our exuberance. And yes. this film, for me, felt like something that's so easy to be enthusiastic about. It felt easy to connect with this film on that level because it is ridiculous in the same way that we are ridiculous. <laughs> and I think halfway through watching this, I was like, I need to tell Alex about this film. He is going to fucking love it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I am. And also, can I just remind you that we are not too much. We are the perfect amount of much. <laughs> As you said in one of our very first episodes, and I still remind myself of that. Yeah. Uh, it sounds amazing. Um, here, you want to hear what I think of it? Yes. Alex, tell me what do you think about RRR? I haven't even seen it, and I love it already. Uh, just the fact that it's anti-colonialist, I think that's fantastic. And the whole over-the-top thing, those movies that are not afraid to do it, um, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Mad Max Fury Road, and apparently this one. Yeah. Uh, that work because they're not like partly over the top. They are entirely too much and way over the top. I love those movies. Uh, those movies with, with the, like the, the crazy energy and the no chill and uh, an actual fight over a butt plug, um, as, as in some cases. <laughs> uh, Jackie Chan style fight to see who can first insert a butt plug up their butt. Um, those movies are amazing um, and more movies should be like that. Yes. 
I will say it was absolutely hilarious as somebody from Hong Kong, which was a British colony, sitting in my British friend's home, surrounded by British people, watching like every single British person on screen, bar one, is deliciously evil, and just sitting there being like, yeah, fuck you guys, and then watching them all like get murdered. It was just something about it was really funny. <laughs> Like, I oh, understand that you're probably not going to watch it surrounded by English people, but it is really sh- funny to watch it surrounded by English people. I should find five or six English people <laughs> yeah. and watch it with them. That would be amazing. One of the funnier things that happened the next day. So, like, I watched this that night, and then the next day I was hanging out with British people because I'm in Britain. And somebody was complaining about how they went to a Chinese restaurant and they got charged for water. And they were yeah. complaining about it. And I was just like, um... You guys, like, uh, got our entire country hooked on opium and stole an island uh, and subjugated the island for, like, hundreds of years. So I think of this as reparations. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can pay for your fucking water. Uh, I probably wouldn't have said that if I hadn't watched RRR the night before and I was feeling a little bit, like, anti-colonial. But, my God, it was very funny to watch that British person be like, oh, yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, I should pay for water. Uh Uh-huh. Cool, 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 cool. (laughs) Katie, where should a person go to learn more about RRR? So, I'm going to put three links into our show notes. The first is to the trailer. Watch the trailer. I mean, you don't need to. Just go watch the film. I'll put the movie review, and also I will put the VFX artist react to the film. I'd recommend watching that actually after the film so you don't have too many spoilers but it's on netflix i'm pretty sure it's on global netflix um there's not been a netflix i've checked yet that it's not been on um so go check out the film yourself if you have the ability if you have a projector or a big screen with like a good sound system this is the time to bust that out Mm -hmm. um this is not one of those films you want to watch on your phone in bed (laughs) (laughs) got it yeah So, dear listener, what did you think about RRR? Do you have any questions or did we leave out something awesome about this film? Go to our website or Instagram at Electric Enthusiasm and let me know. Beautiful. Moment of meta? Moment of meta. Moment of meta. So, I was enraged today enraged seriously i got angry so there's a new hp ad out where they talk about working happy Mm -hmm. Uh i feel like this sounds like something very infuriating for you uh yeah (laughs) the ad features a lot of people who have taken their hp devices with them on their vacations there's a guy surfing at dawn on the beach he has a laptop with him so he can do some emails there's a guy who's uh, taking a video meeting in a ski lift going up the hill there is uh, there's a woman who's hiking. She's sitting at a bonfire, packing away her laptop in her bag on this hike in, in nature. Um, yeah, that is HP's uh, vision of working happy Gross. is that you, you can take your work with you anywhere. And have zero boundaries whatsoever about your time versus company time. Ugh. Exactly. Ugh. If, you're sitting, if, if you're sitting in a ski lift, you're not doing anything, you might as well take a video call in the, in the chairlift on the way up. So instead of getting mad about that, I wanted to use that as the springboard to talk about something positive, which I think is your hobbies. Instead of taking your laptop with you when you surf, go surf, right? You don't need to cram productivity into every aspect of your life, especially 
especially not your hobbies. The definition of a hobby is something you do purely for the pleasure of it. Mm -hmm. And in that way, I think it, it is one of the purest expressions of enthusiasm, or at, at least I think it should be. Yes. Uh, Katie, what are some of your hobbies? So I really love sewing. I also love, oh no, I think purest expression of hobbies would definitely be cooking mm -hmm. um, and singing terribly where no one else is around. <laughs> I love singing and I love it when, when my flatmate's out, there's no one in the house. I will uh, go onto YouTube, get the karaoke search going, and I will uh, just sing every song that I love, no matter how terribly I am at it. It's great. Yes. Yes. That's that's fantastic. That is a pure expression mm -hmm. of what I think a hobby should be, right? I think everybody has hobbies of oh, some whoa, kind. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, Alex. You haven't told me your hobbies. Uh-uh. Uh -uh. Oh, uh, uh, I mean, I have like a million, like reading. <laughs> Uh, good movies, swing dancing, obviously. You know, you've turned it into a profession. I think the hobbies can be a, a hobby and a profession if you do it right. Yeah. Cooking, absolutely. Yes, you are a fantastic cook. Thank you. Uh, and likewise, we got to see when you were in Copenhagen. <laughs> Snowboarding is, is fantastic. I don't have like one all-consuming hobby, which some people do, and I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. so here's the springboard I sort of wanted to take is is that if you have a hobby, you do it for the enjoyment. There is absolutely no need to be good at it. Like you can, you can enjoy singing. Yeah. Uh, I can enjoy singing even if I, I only sing when I'm, you know, alone because yeah, I don't want to inflict that on anybody else. <laughs> yeah. Um, your hobby does not have to contribute anything to anyone else, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it's not like uh, you need, you know, at the end of the day, once I've completed this round of my hobby, I can give this to somebody else. You don't, you don't, absolutely don't need to do that. I don't think, I, you don't need to monetize your hobbies. If yeah. you're super enthusiastic about knitting, you, you seriously, you, you do not, Etsy is not going to come after you. You don't need to open your own storefront <laughs> and sell your creations. You can knit just for the hell of it because you enjoy the act of knitting. Um and finally, you don't need to have anything to show for it. Mm -hmm. There doesn't need to be any kind of end result afterwards apart from your own enjoyment. I think that's what makes it, that's what makes a hobby like pure enthusiasm if you do them right. And if you do them wrong, that's when they turn into chores. And of course, uh, capitalism hates pure enjoyment. Yep. It hates unproductive time. If you're just if you're knitting but not selling your creations, then you're not contributing to national GDP growth, and we can't have that. No, I'm not allowed. That is not allowed. And imagine also if your phone was off and you were not responding to emails while you were knitting, and nobody in the company could bug you and interrupt you in the middle of your knitting. Right? How terrible would that be? Any other thoughts on 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 how to hobby enthusiastically? I mean, I feel bad because I turn most of my hobbies into a way to make money, mostly because yeah. I don't like having stuff. Yeah. And so I either give things away or I ask people to pay for the cost of stuff. I want to make things. I like the process of making things. So food yeah. is great because you eat it and then it's gone. Yeah. But I like sewing and painting and I want to sew more things. I love sewing things, but now I, I don't need more clothes. I'm good. I have too many clothes already. So what am I going to do? Yeah. I can make clothes yeah. for people. And then now it's your problem. Please take it away from me. <laughs> That's a good point. That's actually a point in favor of the hobbies that don't leave you with stuff. Yeah. 
This is why yeah. I'm like pro cooking, pro pro consumable objects at the end of the project. Uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, maybe in a later episode we'll talk about if you monetize a hobby, how do you do it without losing your enthusiasm for it? I'm very that. good at that. I'm a great example for that because I've monetized everything and I still love everything. Oh, that's so cool. I have a very specific path that I take. I'll do a moment of meta next week and I'll do that. Yes, yes, excellent. Cool. Very good. Uh, that was my suggestion for a moment of meta. I on love it. How to, how to hobby enthusiastically. Nice. Yeah. In the darkest wilderness of the world of podcasts, there are countless, endless, narrow roads you could walk down. But you have chosen to walk down the lightest road, the road that brings you joy and enthusiasm and excitement. Do not walk this road alone, my friend. Bring someone with you. Find a friend to walk down this road of lightness in the dark forest of podcasts and tell them about Electric Enthusiasm, a joyful podcast that they will love. Okay, thanks, bye! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Alex, do we have some roundup from previous episodes? Yes, we do! Because uh, a lot of people were really enthusiastic about our episode on the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It's a great uh, movie. Yes, and uh, a lot of people have watched uh, the episode on YouTube. And a lot of those people have written some really good comments, and we should share some of those. So Maeve Longchamp wrote a comment saying, this was wonderful, a great dissection slash appreciation of a great movie. So thank you so much yeah. for that, Maeve. Yeah. The next comment was also really cool. Could you read that one, Katie? From Wolfell, the movie was fantastic and touched me deeply. It captures so many aspects of growing up in CA with Chinese parents. The thing that touched me most is the deep meditation on Buddhism. Thank you very much. I agree. For somebody who grew up with Chinese parents, this is a deep cut, this film. I love the next comment from Michael Greger saying, Evelyn recalled Rakakuni. So when her mind fractured, she went into all the possible universes and found the universe where the movie was true, but with a raccoon. If she had thought it was a rat, she would have found the universe where it was a rat. This is really clever on several levels, embracing infinite possibility in chaos and entropy and acknowledging quantum mechanics where the observers have a tendency to find what they're looking for, where there are multiple possibilities. So she had previously made the mistake of calling yeah. the movie Rakakuni. So, of course, she goes to the universe where she's right about yep. that mistake. That's so uh, cool. I had not caught that. That's a great interpretation of that moment. I love that moment because like that moment of the film reminds me so much of my mom. Um, like the mispronunciation, like the misinterpretation, and then the defiance that she is correct. I love the idea that there is a universe in which my mother is actually correct. Yeah, uh, you should read the final comment. <laughs> From David Minkin. So, full disclosure, I'm a lifelong Waymond. Yes, good job, sir. Uh, and even though existence has pretty much done everything it can to stomp that out of me, I persist in my way of being. If anything, it's gotten stronger over time. My wife is very much an Evelyn, and her experiences as an immigrant coming to America as a consequence of the fall of Saigon has hardened her outlook considerably. Watching this movie together was nothing less than revelatory and truly transformational. Thank you so much, David. I am so happy to find another lifelong Waymond. Good for you, sir, for being that. That is such a hard thing to be sometimes in this world. Um, and I'm really glad that you enjoyed this movie and that it found a way to speak to you in your life as well. This movie is so fucking cool. I'm so happy about this movie in this and the fact that it exists in the world. Yes. Also, Waymans of the world unite. <laughs> All righty. Katie, 
if somebody liked this episode of our podcast, what other episode should they listen to next? I mean, I'm gonna be obvious. I feel like everything, everywhere, all at once. No brainer. I mean, both maximalist films, both films that are perfectly too much. If you enjoyed that film, you'll enjoy this film. If you enjoyed that film, you'll. It's. I think they are very, very uh, demonstrative of my taste in over-the-top cinema. I completely agree. Uh, the the one caveat, of course, being that you are not allowed to listen to that episode unless you already have seen the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once, because we are spoiling it. Yes. Um, so if somebody hasn't seen the movie yet and they're desperate to listen to another episode, where else could they go? Over the top. You know what? Joe Bake. Josephine Baker, over-the-top character, larger-than-life, maximalist, maximalist person right there. That is very true. Yeah. She also has no chill. Zero chill. Um, uh, Brought a cheetah with her on stage to her performances. Let it loose to terrorize the orchestra. I mean, why wouldn't you if you have access to a cheetah? Wanted to adopt children, so adopted like 11 from different places around the world. That's maximalist living right there. Uh, if you want the same theme, but in a different medium, our episode on Josephine Baker will absolutely tickle your fancy as well. We hope you enjoyed sharing some of our enthusiasms in this episode. Please visit our website, electricenthusiasm.com, or find us on Instagram at electricenthusiasm to discover more episodes and leave a comment. And now, dear listener, it's your time to rise, roar, and revolt. Ha 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 ha